There are moments in history when a door opens for massive change. Let me say it again. There are moments in history. You know what the word Adam is actually the root of the word moment. It's just a small moment, but if you seize it, you can light, drop a bomb. Yeah, you didn't get that. The Part of the key to life is not just be faithful over the long haul. When the divine moments come, kairos moments, you have to seize those moments or you don't fulfill the purpose of God for your generation. You can be faithful all your life and miss the moment that shifts history. There are moments in history when a door opens for massive change. Great revolutions for good or for evil occur in the vacuum created by these moments, these openings. This is a really good quote. Thanks, Lou. Let me read it again. Great revolutions for good or for evil occur in the vacuum created by these openings. It is in these times that key men and women and even entire generations risk everything to become the hinge of history. That pivotal point that determines which way the door will swing. I feel we have come to a pivotal moment in world history, even American history. 18 years, 20 years of doing the call, the Lord spoke, there's coming a shift to the call. And it will not be just fasting and prayer, but the proclamation of the gospel, signs and wonders, and stadiums will be filled, and Billy Graham's mantle is, is coming on a generation. Folks, I'm not looking to the celebration of his life when they put him under the ground. I think his mantle is hovering, waiting for a generation to grab that mantle and run and preach the gospel. I've been pondering sometimes you've got to go back through your history. You've got to go back through your journals to review your life. It's a life review so you don't miss those things that God pointed to you years ago that you would be a part in 1995. Tonight, I'm not going to be speaking about the sin. Tomorrow morning, I'll speak more. But I am giving a little jolt about the sin because I actually believe I have come to the moment where my whole life, <laughs> this is, I'm in the defining moment of my whole life. I cannot miss this moment. 1995. Outpouring of the Holy Spirit, six nights a week meetings, thousands coming to our doors with power encounters. And on, the, on May 28, 1995, I was wakened by a phone call where two 11-year-old Asian gir girls called me and they were in a building where the revival was taking place. It was called Mott Auditorium, named after John R. Mott, the statesman of the Student Volunteer Missions Movement. It was the U.S. Center for World Mission. They named that auditorium because they believe there is coming a Student Volunteer Missions Movement again. And young people by the thousands will be swept by the gospel into the nations to fulfill the task and bring back the king. Those 11-year-old girls were in that building that night. They called me manifesting under the power of the Spirit. I lived across the street. They said, Mr. Ringle, Mr. Ringle, 
to my, come to my, there's angel, angels all over. I walked across the street, came into my auditorium, and for four hours I recorded as two little 11-year-old kids saw the glory of God describing the angelic reign. They would point at the same time to massive angels and describe the whole thing. I didn't see a thing. I couldn't see, but the little kids can see. And at one point, they begin to prophesy, much too small, much too small. Stadiums will be filled. And there's Vince Lombardi in heaven. Some of you guys know who that is. He was the coach of the Green Bay Packers that won the first Super Bowl. I said, do you know who Vince Lombardi is? He's 11-year-old Asian girls. We've never heard of him, but he's got a football helmet on in heaven. So when we did Azusa Now, we went to that big stadium to see, is this God? Are we to go to this? And the lady said, this is the place where the first Super Bowl was played. And Vince Lombardi was the coach of the winning team. And I knew there's a Super Bowl coming for the church. That was the beginning. And the Lord is speaking to the next step to launch the great movement is Florida. In that stadium, there is coming a missions movement prophesied by little kids that that mod auditorium is too small to contain the massive movement that's coming of Jesus, the evangelist and the missionary. He's going to hurl four laborers into the harvest. So when Andy Bird in that video is calling for thousands to go, I'm literally in the fulfillment of a vision and a visitation 25 years ago. This is how you live your life. Do you think I'm going to miss that moment? It's the moment. Four o'clock. I left that building shaken. I walked into my house, and I think the angels walked into to my house with me because immediately my wife's contraction started, and Gloria Angela Grace was born, and she preached at Azusa now. She flew home from the Himalayas as a missionary and preached, go ye therefore. Here's the crazy thing. I looked through my journal just yesterday. I looked at my journal just yesterday and I, I, I found a, a, a part that I'd forgotten. And it was a missionary from Burma that was in Pasadena in a missionary's house real close to Mott Auditorium. That night, he had a visitation of angels. He saw lights flashing, saw the flashing of wings of angels. And in this vision, he's caught up. And I'm not boasting. I'm just prophesying. I got to tell the story. Because if I don't tell the story, it won't create bones rattling. And in his vision, he saw Lou Engel in Mott Auditorium. With thousands of young people. And in the vision, and the Lord spoke to him. God is going to use this man to start a a massive missions movement of young people. 
I'm just saying. And the Lord spoke to him. And you will know this is the true word of God because tonight there is an angel visitation going on in Mar He went to church the next day and Cheon, my pastor, was telling the story of how his daughter saw the angels that night in Mararatorium and he knew it was a word from the Lord. Stand with me. I believe that Florida is actually being called to launch, to, to, to listen. When this kind of prophetic word comes, you don't sit on the sidelines. You get there. It doesn't even matter what happens on the day. You move with faith, daring to believe that America is turning into a new day. A Billy Graham, Jesus, the evangelist. It's time to seize the moment. I want you to pray. I believe God has called Florida, just like what happened in the elections, to be the swing state for America. Maybe it'll be the swing state for the ending of abortion. Maybe it will be the swing state for the greatest missions movement. This is your history. This is, the, this is what Bill Bright called pastors from all over the nation to fast 40 days for the Great Awakening. This is the place of the Jesus festivals in seven, 1976. This is the place of the great evangelists. Folks, don't miss your moment. There are moments in history. It's time, I believe, to be the hinge of history. Tonight, I have stepped into Florida, and I'm traveling into 10, 11 cities over the next, uh, next 20 days, and I'm mobilizing prayer. Don't just go to a stadium. Begin to pray, Lord, of the harvest, hurl forth, ekbalo laborers into the harvest field. Let's not just sit around, eat bonbons, and say, hey, we're going to go to a stadium. No, every movement is prepared by intercession. Take this tonight. Because we're going to something tonight that is so profound. We're not done here. I'm going to stick around for a while. Stick around for a while. Father, we pray for Florida. Let the whole state be stirred. That maybe we're in the beginnings of a new Jesus movement. Lord, will you always love faith? You love spiritual responsiveness. Let the whole state from Miami to Tampa to Lakeland to Jacksonville to Tallahassee and Orlando be stirred. Lord, we need a great awakening. Stir the church across this state. All the eyes of the world will soon be on you. What will you do with your opportunity? Oh, Lord, raise up evangelists right out of this room filled with passion for souls. Give dreams, launch visions tonight all across this state in Jesus' name. I believe the Lord was showing me the days when a little auditorium that seats 3,000 would never be enough, enough room. It, the great movement had to be held in stadiums. Six years ago, I went to, that, to the Citrus Bowl, now Camping World Stadium. I stood in front of it, and I declared, the call will become the send. And this will be the place where the sin takes place. That's six years ago. We're right now into the fulfillment of what we were prophesying. Don't miss your moment. Come on. Maybe America hinges on your response. Give us an outpouring of the Holy Spirit. 
I think he's chosen the right place. So I want you to sit down for a moment because that was just a preview. And I want you to put that thing up on the, uh, on the screen. The, registr the registration, can you put that up on the, on the screen? Folks, I'm going to have you do a couple things tonight. But I want you to right here. Maybe you can't go because of some kind of situation or whatever. But I want you to seriously pray to come. What's crazy is I've done stadiums for the last 20 years. And I found in some of them that something like a trumpet begins to blow that's beyond your anointing to mobilize. It's because the Lord is sounding the word. Today, we have 56,000 registrations and a thousand a day are coming in, and the place only sees 70,000. I think people are going to be out in the streets praying, getting sent by the Holy Spirit, not some guy on the stage. Listen, I want you to register right now. You get on that thing, you should register it. Make it I don't know what it says. Jason, quickly. Go to the sin.org. Do it right now. Go to the sin.org. I am going to bring my kit. I want you to just register. If you don't register now, you're going to register tonight. But if you don't register now, you might forget about it and not miss your moment. You don't become the hinge in history. I don't want to be religious here, but I'll tell you, my family's coming. I got a pack of them. I got seven kids and grandchildren. We're rolling into Orlando. We don't want to miss a moment. For 20 years, I've been living for a Jesus movement, calling these stadiums and arenas. I've got to believe that God will not fasten my soul to a dead-end vision. Jesus is going to do something in America. While the rage of the nation arises, this is when revivals happen, not when it's nice and calm, when it's all stirred up like the Civil War. That's when... So did you register? I mean, get a thousand right out of this room and have fifty-seven thousand right now. I don't know. I know there's not a thousand here, but you could get a whole lot of friends on it, folks. We are in an, an incredible moment. Well, you know the the call started uh, in in in, in, in two thousand. Four hundred thousand gathered. We went to to the um, to the to the Cotton Bowl for a, a call in 2003, and James Gall gave a word to our board and said, "The Lord says shut down the call for three years, and then I will raise it up sovereignly by the word of the Lord." I'm thinking, why should we stop the call? This is pretty good stuff. Listen, sometimes we protect our ministries rather than. Following the voice of God. Our, our ministries are not sacred. The voice of the Lord is sacred. We said, okay, we're going to shut it down. Little did I realize. I was flying home. If I could find this. My phone's about ready to die, but I don't care. flying home and I'm reading a book a biography on William Wilberforce the political leader that ended the slave trade in England 
And his friend Thomas Clarkson said this. I'm flying home reading the book. And he said, I urged myself that never was any cause which had been taken up by man in any country or in any age so great and important. Never was there one in which so much good could be done. Never one in which the duty of Christian charity could be extensively exercised. Never one more worthy of devotion of a whole life towards it. And that if a man thought properly, he ought to rejoice to have been called into existence if he were only permitted to become an instrument in forward forwarding that cause in any part of its progress. Clarkson henceforth dedicated his own life to discovering and exposing the evils of the trade. When I read that the Holy Spirit fell on me in the plain, I began weeping, and the Lord said, you will raise up a prayer movement for the ending of abortion in America. I had no idea what that would mean to me or how that would happen. But the call was being shut down, and I believe the call actually began with a prayer in 1999. How can I turn America back to God? The Lord was shutting down the call so he could get a movement for praying for the ending of abortion because you can't turn a nation back to God if you're killing and shedding the blood of the innocent. And if you've had an abortion today, I want to thank God the blood of Jesus cleanses us all from sins. You may have seen me at one thing. and I, I beg forgiveness of my own sin and my own compromise. Something's happened to me. I need the blood of Jesus. You need the blood of Jesus. We need to come out of the darkness, not hide in the shadows of guilt and shame. It is time the walls come down so the roof can come down. It is time to overcome Jezebel so we get authority over a nation. Obviously, I didn't know what to do with that word. I just knew that there's something about a Wilberforce anointing that was coming to America. Cindy Jacobs, that wild and crazy and scary lady, comes to me and she says, if you don't, because the call had been mobilizing thousands, if you don't send those young people to the Supreme Court, God will remove you and put someone else in your place. I said, Cindy, I got to hear that from God. But in 1993, a young man fasted two years at Daniel Fast. No meats, no sweets, praying for one thing, for the ending of abortion. Wow. What kind of young university student lives that kind of life? The Daniels are arising as young people. They're not playing religious games. They believe that they can be ten times better by getting the divine mind of God through fastings and prayer and brilliant wisdom. He fasts for two years. No meats, no sweets, praying for the ending of abortion. And then I end up gathering 70 young people to 50 days and 50 nights of intercession. 50 days and 50 nights of intercession in Colorado, in, uh, in Colorado Springs, where I am now. A 50 day praying for a pro-life president and the ending of abortion. It was in those days that the movie Amazing Grace came out about Wilberforce. I went to that movie. I got in late. Right before the movie started, it was a jam-packed house. My wife and my daughter had to go to the top to find two seats. I had to go to the second row on the front to watch the movie. 
like this. And as I'm watching that movie, the end of that movie, while the bagpipes are playing, I've been so moved by it. The Holy Spirit speaks to me. I want you to stand up and preach. I'm thinking, oh God. <laughs> the credits begin to roll. Everyone's beginning to move out of their seats. And I stand up and I said, let's pray. And everyone stops. And I hold a prayer meeting. And I said, God, I thank you for William Wilberforce, but I pray that you would raise up a Wilberforce in America to end the slave trade of abortion in America. I walk out of that place kind of freaking out, like, oh, God, I'm, I'm losing it. A lady walks up to me, and she says, I was thinking at the end of that movie, if that guy Lou Engel were here, he'd stand up and start to preach. And then you did. Well, I want to tell you, it's a cool story, but recently the Lord rebuked me. He says, it's not a cool story. You prayed that God would raise a Wilberforce up. Donald Trump is that Wilberforce to give us pro-life judges, whether you like him or not. We are on the verge, even right now, for the ending of Roe v. Wade. It will throw us into civil war with the states arising. But I would rather have civil war with justice than a false peace that doesn't deal with the shedding of innocent blood. Folks, we are here in a divine moment. In a moment, I'm going to bring Jeremiah up if you could just stick around tonight because I believe we are in a divine moment. I don't know if you understand what's going on in New York City. You're seeing what's going on in New York City. You see, why are these states rising up like this with such a... It's not, no longer about a woman's right. It's about killing babies till dilation. It's heinous. It's murderous. I've, I, and we vote for those kind of people. Now that is insane. You become an accomplice to murder. Listen, there. William Wilberforce said this. There is a principle above everything that is political. And when I consider the word of God that declares thou shalt not murder, how shall I raise up any reasoning against it when I understand the eternal consequences of doing so? There are eternal consequences for voting for those who support the breaking of marriage. These are the foundational things. I'm not saying we should, we need to roar for the poor. We need to have compassion on the immigrant. But the foundation of the book of Genesis is thou shalt not kill. In the image of God, I created him male and female. When is the church getting its roar back? There is a principle above everything that is political. It is above race. It is above everything. You must stand loyal. See, Elijah gathered the people not on the basis of a false unity, but on the basis of a separation. Maybe we should have gatherings in stadiums to separate. You see, we're headed to a civil war, folks. It's race and blood. So what goes on in New York City, I believe, has stirred the whole church.
I got to show you this. I wish I could. I got to show you this. Years ago, one of our women had a dream, and there was a huge abortion celebration going on in the political party, celebrating that the laws of God had been removed and that there was abortion had been legalized, and it was a big party. And they were getting in a bus to go take their message of celebration to the nation. And in this dream, this girl looks in the center aisle of this, of this, uh, 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 in this bus. She steps in, and she sees a, a young lady in the back, right in the center. And her shirt says, Ingle, we the people. And she was disrupting the whole abortion party. Do you know what's happened with New York? There's a movement in the last few days called We the People. And thousands of petitions are going to the White House. Say no to New York City's death law. Come on. I want you to go to We the People. Get on your phones. Get on your texts and petition. And then raise it up all across Florida. You see, it's not enough just to pray. If Esther would have only fasted three days, she would have never gotten the job done. You got to show yourself to the king. You got to vote. You gotta show yourself to the king. Go to that website. Let's launch thousands and thousands until it sweeps away this covenant with death to the roar of the common person who actually still has a foundation of truth in their hearts. Not compromising believers because you did not have a love for the truth. I will send upon you a spirit of delusion. You don't stand for a person's color, and you don't stand for a person's gender. You stand for righteousness and justice. Something's happened to me in the last couple days, and I think it's happening to the whole nation. When the Virginia woman comes and brings her bill to the Virginia Senate, and he, this guy is pursuing this lady that's bringing this court case. And he says, do you mean that you could actually hold, a, your bill says that you could actually kill a baby when the woman is in dilation? She says, yes, that's my bill. It's going, the Lord is actually creating a division so the church wakes up. We're pre-Civil War days. If Roe v. Wade turns from the Supreme Court, the states will take it up. And I'm telling you, Florida better arise and be a pro-life state. It's, it's insane what's going on. I think the Lord is just helping us by exposing what this really is. And I want to just say tonight, I want to say tonight, is that baby in the womb a human being? Even science says it is. The health and human surface services, the big one, HSS, has just come out this past few months declaring by science, life begins at conception. It's extraordinary. And yet people rage. It's creating, I believe, a platform for the church to be prophets once again. And I would rather go to a civil war because we stand on truth rather than creating a false peace that doesn't... How long will you hold between two opinions? 
If the Lord is God, serve him. If Baal is God, serve him. And the altar of Baal was the offering of children. And the Asherah pole was state-sanctioned sexual immorality. The Elijah movement is rolling in the earth. Okay. A few more thoughts and then I'm, I'm going to go somewhere. You're going to have to stick with me for a while tonight because I, I feel like we, we launched a life movement. The kid had a dream. The guy that fasted had this dream and he saw thousands of people in Washington, D.C. And two of them, my son and Will Ford, a black man, had a piece of tape on their mouths with the word life written on it. I put that life tape on in 2004, in 2000, uh, 2004 before the elections of George Bush. And Florida changed history in its voting again. I wonder if there's a spiritual vote in Florida for revival the ending of abortion. I don't have time to tell the incredible story, but that word life has flown all over the world. And just this week on a website shows the picture of Ginsburg, Justice Ginsburg. She's been missing. It says Ginsburg, MIA, missing in action. No one's seen her for 57 days. In the web, there's a picture of her, and next to her was a young lady with web with life tape on. And the Lord spoke to me. The word that goes forth from my mouth will not return to me void. <laughs> it will accomplish it for what you was sent. That word life is assigned to the unbeliever and to the believer. It is a prophecy. Even the Supreme Court knows it's there. I met Supreme Court Justice Thomas when we inaugurated the, 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 the justice of Alabama. I walked up to him. I shook his hand. I said, well, I, I want to thank you, Justice Thomas. We pray for you. You're a hero to us. And I said, we're the people with the life tape on. And he says, you're those guys? Everybody knows about you. Who are you guys? One, oh, Martin Luther said it. He said this. He said in that great song. And still our ancient foe does seek to work us woe. His craft and power are great. And armed with cruel hate, one little word will fell him. One word from God. I believe has brought us to a moment right now. And the Louisiana bill that is right now before the Supreme Court, they've delayed the hearing for another week. It's, it's going to nine, court, nine to the nine justices. Brothers, this is not a time to say, well, I hope they make the decision. It is a time to win the battle in intercession. When we went to the Supreme Court, when we went to the Supreme Court, Stood there. We've been there for 15 years. In our house of prayer, overlooking the Supreme Court, one of our young ladies had a dream that the next justice that George Bush would appoint, his name, his name is John Roberts. We didn't even know who he was. At the last moment, George Bush was going to put in a woman named Harriet Myers. At the last minute, he changed his mind and inaugurated. What's his name? John Roberts, the Lord, 
he is compromised on a couple of these. Something's wrong here. And the Lord recently spoke to me. When I give you a man's name in a dream to be the supreme, then it's not just cool that you get him elected. You must keep winning the battle over his mind. Because demons are raging over those courts. I want to take up out of this gathering. And we begin to prophesy to John Roberts. Hear the word of the Lord. Rule over him in the next four or five days. Shift that man. Because he was chosen by God. See, it was in those days when we went there to D.C. To stand in front of it. on the third, We did an Esther fast three days before John Roberts, I mean, before George Bush was elected. And there, I get a phone call from a woman who works at the Supreme Court. She said, I hear you like a, would like to have a special, uh, a special uh, tour of the Supreme Court. I said, yes, I, I really would. She said, meet me on the side door. She said to me when we met, years ago in Florida, I was given a prophecy that someday I would be working in the Supreme Court building. And when I was working there, Roe v. Wade would be overturned. Florida! A prophecy from Florida. And then she said, and recently I had a dream that Justice Ginsburg asked me to be her assistant. And the following week, Justice Ginsburg comes to her and says, would you be my assistant? I'm talking to the assistant of Justice Ginsburg, the champion of abortion. I said to her, is there a basketball court in the Supreme Court building? She says, as a matter of fact, there is. And it's a basketball court right on top of where the judges hold their hearings. And she says, and they call it the highest court in the land. I said, take me to that court. I went on that court, stood over where those, and I declared the ending of Roe v. Wade. I declared righteous judges to arise. These are not jokes. If the church believes and prays, come on, stand with me, because we're going to make a shift in a moment. Father, right now, in the name of Jesus, we, we command the influence of heaven over John Roberts from Florida. We command the influence of the kingdom over Justice Kavanaugh in the name of Jesus, over Justice Gorsuch. Lord, we command the mind of God. Haunt them like you did in Esther's day. Give them sleepless nights. Loose dreams on their life. To end the genocide, take Haman's spirit out of that court. Save America. I want you to pray for President Trump. We're praying that he would be hedged in behind and before. He can only appoint those that God is appointing. Recently, my friend who runs Bound for Life had a dream, and he was saying to just to pinch his wife in the dream, who was concerned about the Supreme Court. He said, remember the name Amy Coney Barrett in the dream. Remember the name Amy Coney Barrett. She is a believer in Jesus. She is pro-life and one of the most brilliant justices in America. Lift your hands, and I want to just put this in joy in President Trump's mind, remember, come on, the name Amy Coney Barrett. Lord, we declare this over the judges. Remember Amy Coney Barrett. In Jesus' name, we pray from the, for the shift from Ginsburg to Barrett, Lord. Lord, it's time. 
in Jesus' name. Over those years, we had a life band. Millions of prayers have been prayed. Jesus, I plead your blood over my sins and the sins of my nation. God, end abortion. Send revival to America. Millions of prayers all over the nation. For 14 years, I believe the blood of Jesus is warring over the blood of 60 million babies. You've got to apply the blood to the doorposts of our national guilt. We put on this life band because one of our guys said if we turn that life tape into life bands, we could, he said, we could start a, a Martin Luther King movement to end abortion like they did in Birmingham. I said, that's cool. What if we had a million people praying five times a day when they looked at their band with the word life and, 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 and they actually declare and they were actually praying that prayer, Jesus, I plead your blood. That would be five million prayers a day. I said, that is so cool, but we need it. No, it's God. The next day we're in front of the Supreme Court with our tape on. This African-American kid walks by and says, Hey, you guys, if you would turn that life paint, uh, those life bands, uh, if you would turn those, uh, those, that life tape into life bands like the Livestrong bands, I'd go back to my hometown, Birmingham, and start a Martin Luther King movement to end abortion. It's insane, the wisdom of God. But I believe we've come to the moment. It's all overflowing. I believe these judges are going down right now in history, whether they be the judges like the Dred Scott who said that that black man is not a human being, and now those guys' names are written in, in ignominy as the, the mud judges of the earth. These judges right now that are in that Supreme Court are being brought to a decision. They could go down in history as those who ended the greatest genocide of America. Or they would go down as the Dred Scott judges are today. And God will, if we don't deal with it in our courts, he'll deal with it in his courts. It's called Appomattox Courthouse where God deals with the nation for the bloodshed of the slaves where Abraham Lincoln said... Fondly do we hope, fervently do we pray that this scourge of war will speedily pass away. But if God wills that it continue until every drop of blood drawn by the lash must be repaid that by that drawn by the sword, let it be said the judgments of the Lord are righteous and true. Altogether, Abraham Lincoln realized those men died on the battlefields because of the bloodshed of the slaves. And what will God do with the bloodshed of 60 million babies? Oh, I fear for my children. I fear for my grandchildren. What kind of world are we going to... And we're living for our next nice house and our next night boat where there is no future. Florida, it's your time. God, end abortion. Send revival to America. I pondered this is all happening at the same time as the send. Maybe we're coming to a moment that God will answer both of those at the same time. Send revival and abortion in America. Oh, brothers and sisters, 
Tonight is a great night. We've only begun. I want to bring, I want you to sit down. I want to bring Jeremiah Johnson. Because what he has to share. I was weeping in his car today. I feel like I'm in a moment trying to find my own journey. Please, can you just hang with us tonight? So I believe it was maybe January 22nd or 23rd, somewhere around there, when the ruling in New York took place. And I really felt in my spirit that it was a declaration of war on the American church. And that the Lord was looking for a response. From there, we headed to Dallas, Texas, and held a prophetic summit last weekend with leaders and saints that gathered from all over the nation and there was a couple there named Will and DeHevelyn Ford, who I really didn't know very well, but Lou has a long history with them. And I began to prophesy to them some things. And the night after the summit, I had this dream that Lou is, has asked me to share. And so I'm going to share this dream. And I just want you to lock in and ask the Holy Spirit for grace. It's about two and a half pages but I believe that this is part of uh, the scroll. This is part of divine destiny. It's revelation, what the Lord is saying to the church. So on January 28, 2019, I had a prophetic dream where I was taken to an elevated position over the United States and saw the word Nineveh written over the landscape of the nation. I then was immediately taken into a large courtroom that was filled with all sorts of angelic beings. Many of them had beautifully colored wings while others had the feature of humans, only taller in appearance. A gavel was suddenly slammed down in the courtroom and our attention shifted to the case at hand. A man in a suit quickly walked in carrying a briefcase that had the Antichrist spirit engraved on it. He approached the judge and on the paper he handed to him was clearly written abortion. As it, it seemed as if the angelic beings in the courtroom began to be filled with awe and wonder. They were waiting for the judge to make a ruling on the case so that they knew their assignment. The judge began to speak out loud in the dream and this is what he said. The destiny of the United States is hanging in the balance, as in the days of Nineveh. I once pronounced judgment on Nineveh, and so I now pronounce judgment on the United States, because they have tolerated the murder of my innocent ones for too long. However, I am sending my prophets in the likeness of Jonah from within and without, Yes, I am sending Jonahs from foreign nations that will confront the Antichrist spirit in the United States. Yes, I am also releasing my Jonahs from within the United States who will contend against the Antichrist spirit. Did Nineveh not repent from her wickedness and my hand of judgment relent? Can the United States not repent from her wickedness and my hand of judgment relent concerning this issue of abortion. 
you must understand that there are many watchmen in the United States that I have called to take a stand for life, and they have run from it just like Jonah. For this time and in these days I shall call upon them once more. Immediately the dream shifted to a morgue where I was taken inside of a room and waited for a body in a bag to come out. The body was wheeled out before me on a bed and the bag was unzipped. Underneath was the body of Lou Engel. He had a very long white beard and had the appearance of a young, physically fit man. I wept in the dream over Lou and shouted, Lou, we need you. The womb of this nation needs you. The intercessors and the prophets need you. Judgment has been decreed upon the land as in the days of Nineveh, but the word of the Lord is that the judgment can be overturned. We must cry out for repentance and mercy in these days. Suddenly, one of the angelic beings who was in the courtroom earlier appeared with a gigantic golden key. The angel drove the key directly inside of Lou's heart, and a bolt of lightning hit the room. Lou jumped off the table with a staff in his hands. He looked at me in the dream and said, Jeremiah... I once as a young man called the Nazarites forth in this nation, but now as an older man, I will call forth the grandparents in this nation to fight for life. I once as a young man called for the Nazarites to come forth, but now as an older man, I will call forth the grandparents in this nation to stand for life. I felt instantly in the dream that there was a direct connection in the spirit realm to grandparents in the United States beginning to champion this issue of abortion ending in their day. They in their 50s, 60s, 70s, and 80s are carrying specific authority to do so. Lou continued and said, I once called the long hairs the Nazarites, but now I will call upon the gray hairs. The dream shifted yet again as I found myself in a sea of people as far as my eye could see in Washington, D.C. Millions of Christians had gathered on the mall to fight for life. Lou took the stage with Will and De Heavilland Ford, and they made a decree to everyone present in the nation. Will Ford declared, beyond political parties and racial affiliations, we will stand together for life in these days. I heard God immediately say to me, the issue of abortion will divide the African-American race. Some will refuse to hear what I am saying, while others will be given a justice mandate like never before. One last time, the dream shifted to a newspaper article highlighting an African-American woman who was raised up in politics in the years ahead that would force the black community to choose between life in the womb 
or political party affiliation and race. I heard God say, you have been warned, America. What will you do with the judgment of Nineveh upon your nation? Will you fight for life and see mercy fall upon you? Or will you remain silent and watch as great destruction and economic collapse fall upon your land? I'm going to do a teaching. Most people think, well, maybe just abortion is kind of a social issue. Oh, it is so much more. I want to do a teaching on the shedding of innocent blood because it's a doctrine that you cannot escape. And if you see the word of God, then you are judged by that word and you cannot sit in judgment of that word. It is not just an Old Testament doctrine. It's a New Testament doctrine as well. Can I go forward with this? And if you'll help me with the screens as we get there. I'll try to run through this fairly quickly, but I want you to catch it. Abortion is a civil rights issue. It's really a God's rights issue. The born, unborn have no voice to protect their life. I, w uh, I want you to put up Genesis 9, 5, and 6. Surely blood requires blood in God's judgment. God so highly values humanity that he protects it with severe judgment. A day of reckoning is set if man does not obey him. The scripture, Genesis 9. There we go. It says this. Surely for your lifeblood, I will demand a reckoning. From the hand of every beast, I will require, and from the hand of men, from the hand of every man's brother, I will require the life of men. Whoever sheds man's blood by man, his blood shall be shed. For in the image of God, he made man. Just take this, let's, let's get this. Whoever sheds man's blood by man, his blood shall be shed. For in the image of God, he made man. God so loved man. Made in his image that he protects it with the severest penalties. When there is shedding of innocent blood, there is no atonement for the land. There is a blood pollution problem on America's soil. I... I'd probably get in trouble with this one. I, I probably won't say it. Nah. Do you know that one of God's name, kinsman redeemer, is actually the avenger of blood? Have you ever worshipped the God who so loved human beings that he will avenge the blood of that person who's made in the image of God? Is that child in the womb in the image of a God? Did God, before that child was ever conceived, write a book about that child's life? Before that child was ever born? Before you were born, I knew you. Before you were conceived, I called you in your mother's womb, Jeremiah. Do you know? There's huge out outrage, and rightly so, even in the murder of one person. 
but if you would put 60 million babies here and line them up as far as you could see, where's the moral outcry if they're human beings just because you can't see them? One of the God's names is Yavendri Blood. Have you worshipped that God yet? He loves babies. He loves pregnant moms. There's a better way. Nothing can wash away our defilement except the blood of Jesus. Chapter, uh, I think it's Numbers 30, uh, 35, 33. Let's look at that scripture. I don't think is that. Okay. It says this. So you shall not pollute the land where you are, for blood defiles the land. Land And no atonement can be made for the land, for the blood that is shed on it, except by the blood of him who shed it. We have a pollution problem in America. It's not a green pollution. It's a red pollution. Now, I'm all for, I'm all for environmental concern. The Bible calls us to this. But, folks, you can fix as much as you can. <laughs> you know, global climate control. But if there's bloodshed all over the world, you will never heal the pollution of this land. God raises up intercessors who stand before him to stop judgment. The intercession says, God, kill me before you kill them. That's real intercession. We do not need intercessors to call down judgment, but those who cry for mercy. Judgment will come automatically because of sin unless the plea of mercy stops God by this friendship with him. We want to be intercessors for America as, God, as God's friend who called God to remember and hold back his hand of justice and mercy. Verse uh, Psalms 106. And I want you to look at the uh, verse um, uh, uh, um, 23. Therefore he said that he would destroy them had not Moses, his chosen one, stood before him in the breach to turn away his wrath. Gee, blood pollution comes on the land when innocent blood is shed. The sacrificing of babies is fueling the demonization of our nation. A day for reckoning is coming to U.S. without God's mercy through intercessors and action to stop abortion. I'm just talking about the Bible. Verse 37, they even sacrificed their sons and their daughters to demons and shed innocent blood, the blood of their sons and daughters, whom they sacrificed to the idols of Canaan. And the land was polluted with blood, therefore the wrath of the Lord was kindled against his people, so he abhorred his inheritance. Today, we don't, so to speak, sacrifice our children to demons. We, it's no longer altars to Baal, but what it is is stainless steel tables. It's all been anesthetized to just keep us in deception. But it's not deceiving to God because blood has a voice and it cries out from the ground. Your, bro your brother's blood cries. What does the blood of 60 million babies sound like to God? See, we're now moving beyond a political, a political issue. We're moving to truth, to, the, to, God's, to God's word. Can you stick with me, please? A leader in America, a political leader in America had a vision, and he saw a beast over the Supreme Court, 
and it was fed by three bloodstreams, the blood of the Native Americans, the blood of the African Americans, and the blood of the, of the babies. And if we could cut those and break those by the blood of Jesus, you would liberate the Supreme Court to choose rightly. The raising up of priestly ministry is to bring forth the blood of the Lamb on behalf of the shed blood of, of the African American guy that's shot wrongly by the police in the streets. I'm talking about blood everywhere. The blood of the African American. The blood of Columbine. I've just been visiting Columbine. Do you know that Columbine birthed the call? The call was mobilized much through Columbine. Why? God was saying, you see, because there's a scripture from Ezekiel 35 where it says, because you did not hate bloodshed, bloodshed will pursue you. People are sitting there crying out. The murders in our schools, University of Virginia. Columbine. Killings in the streets. What do you expect when you're killing your unborn? Because you did not hate bloodshed, bloodshed will pursue you. Have you ever heard this teaching before? This is Bible. God loves human beings. And he will not allow. Please, if you've had an abortion, some of you can just feel that guilt. I want to tell you, the man who watches pornography, as I confessed my sins at one thing to the whole world, that I have sinned, I ask forgiveness. We're all guilty because you're feeding the same beast. It's all the spirit of Jezebel. Years ago, I was in a battle. I had a dream when Bill Clinton, during the days of Bill Clinton and Monica Lewinsky, and I had a dream that all these leaders, the Christian leaders, were in this big room. And my pastor Cheon was leading this, and Bill Clinton was in bed, and he was sleeping, and in the bed, I was in the bed with him, clothed only in my underwear. By the way, God can warn us in dreams. In this dream, Cheon asked me to pray for Bill Clinton. I got up, I said a, just a little weak prayer and ran out of there to get clothed. I woke up and the Lord spoke to me. Neither you nor the church of this nation has authority over Bill Clinton or this nation because it sleeps in the same bed. As fathers, we've got to repent I feel like, God, the greatest thing that ever happened to me was to, was to confess. I feel like it's breaking things all across the world. People are coming out of the closet. They're having courage to get out of their hidden shame and walk out into the light so that the blood of Jesus can cleanse us from all sin. I ask your forgiveness. I feel like I stand as a representative, as a leader in this nation. But I'll tell you, I feel something is broken. I feel like the roar of the Lord has come back to my life. See, this Jonah story that he had, it's, it's one thing for him to have a dream. It's another thing to know, you, to know my story. Because years ago in Boston, holding a 40-day fast with 70 people, actually taking Harvard to the courtroom of heaven to judge Harvard because five of the judges, four or five of the judges in Roe v. Wade actually were on that, or came from Harvard. I took them to court. 
It was in those intense season of fasting at the end of us. Our whole country 70 were vomiting everywhere. It was the most vile backlash. It was intense. I was going back home to tell this to with my whole story of Frank Bartle and the intercessor of Azusa Street. I was going back to the centennial to pray, and I was just wanting to keep my Bartleman fires. I thought, God, maybe revival now. And I went to my friend, and I said to my friend, I said, I, I want to keep doing this Bartleman. I'm just being real with you tonight. And he said, Lou, I had a visitation of Frank Bartleman last night in a dream. I stepped into the great cloud of witnesses, and it became a real encounter. And Frank Bartleman came out of that encounter. He said, I was in a world of perfect knowing. And he said, so, and Frank Bartleman said, we know Lou Engel in heaven. Sometimes we see some of our good men go down, down, down before they come up. I went back to San Francisco, then to California, and a spirit was assigned to me. I believe it was witchcraft, but I'm not excusing witchcraft for my sin. We all are responsible. Don't blame it on witchcraft. And I believe Satan was after me to destroy me, to destroy my testimony and my authority. But I thank God I've lived in very tight accountability, but I've known dark days. When I came back, I had been two months on the road with my family. I came back to Pasadena. I walked into my bedroom. He said, Frank Bartleman said, sometimes we see some of our good men go down, down, down before they come back up. I came back to my bedroom and my Bible there by my bed was open to the book of Jonah. And instantly I knew it because the first message I ever preached was on, the, on Jonah. And the name of the message was down, down, down. I'll tell you, I feel this prophecy. As God said, I, I'm going to roar again. I just, we can roar again, brothers and sisters. He's going to a, a, a church in, out in the desert in California with a man, man who was named um, Joe Sweet. In the 80s, the first, one of the first prophecies I ever received is that I would be a, a Jonah. And that I would roar over Nineveh. And I feel just three days ago, so I've been doing Bound for Life. And then I just kind of let it drop. Almost like I was in a morgue. Just a few, few days ago, a dream came to me. And it's, if you could write this, it, maybe you could even put this on the, the, the letters, capital letters. Can you do this? G-O-T. The number two, the letter B, life. You put that up there. G-O-T, the letter two, B, life. Can you make it any bigger? <laughs> In between the B and the L, you got to put the number four. You know what I'm talking about. I started a ministry called Bound for Life to turn America back to God. It's got to be for life. That's how I actually uh, abbreviate Bound for Life, be for life. God is saying, it's time to roar again. 
in the dream, I was in a dune buggy, and that was the license of my dune buggy. You don't have licenses on dune buggies. I believe God says, we are in a wild and crazy ride for life. And I've ended the call, and now two people, my son and I, work for Lou Engle Ministries. I've got no obligations to big ministry. I can fly. I can prophesy. I don't think it's just got to be for life. I think it's go a second time, times two, for life. It's time to find my voice again. And it all happens. It came on 122, the anniversary of Roe v. Wade. And I could feel the roar of the send and the roar of life. Maybe they'll move together. Your dream says the womb of America needs you. How will we have our spiritual womb open if we're killing the babies in our own womb? Maybe God is saying, deal with this thing so I can give you revival. Or maybe he'll give us revival to prepare us for the judgment of the bloodshed like happened in the Civil War in 1857 in the great prayer meeting revival. A million believed people were saved within a year. Something swept, and those guys went to the battlefields and died by the thousands. Come on. The dream was we could turn it back. I just shared my story with you. So when he shared with me today, I, 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 you have no idea the impact. I hope you're okay with me being honest. But I just have a feeling that maybe we all need to be honest these days. I remember in seminary, the seminary I quit years before. I remember in, in seminary, a guy came from Asbury Revival. And he said, you know, we're always praying for the roof to come down. Let the Holy Spirit fall. He says, but, the, but, it, but most of the time in revival, you have to knock the walls down first to get the roof down. Let's start getting real with one another. Out of professional religion, let's just be, let's let the blood begins to cleanse our sins so we get authority over in the nation. Hang with me. I'm keeping going here for a moment. It's, it, this is an amazing passage about the priest. You know when this, I won't go into the whole thing, the city of refuge. In the city of refuge, if you didn't find, know who the man who killed the person, that the elders of the city closest to, to the murder or the shedding of innocent blood had to go there, kill a heifer, and pour out blood to atone for the land. In other words, it wasn't just the individual who was responsible for the blood. It was actually communal guilt. Had to be covered by the community. There's communal guilt on America. And the elders are responsible to take the blood and apply it to that guilt. Give us some elders who will know the Bible and begin to say, Jesus, I plead your blood over my sins and the sins of my nation. God, end abortion. Send revival to America. Let the pastors, let the elders. Listen, President Trump gave us Gave us a privilege, though we shouldn't have even depended on it, that pastors can preach anything politically anymore. He removed the gag order. Let's not be gagged in a time when civil war is at our doors. Let's roar. And then let's adopt a million babies because I tell you, we got to be the answer to those prayers. To these, listen, we're going to the send and we're calling for a million adoptions in a thousand days. We're saying it's time. 
for the church to adopt high schools, adopt colleges, adopt babies. You can't just be against. You've got to be the answer. I've been praying for a million adoptions since 2006. And I feel like God in this send is beginning to answer my prayers. Prayers of hundreds of us who have been adopting. I didn't adopt. I was just an old dude. But there's an army in, in Kona, Waiwam. There's 60 babies have recently been adopted or foster cared. There is a sound. Give us your baby. I've heard those pro-choice folks say, well, uh, you, know, you know, give me your babies. It's more like give me your Hitlers. No, we'll take your Hitlers and we'll turn them into Churchills. goes on, it goes, this, this, this scripture goes on, there's so much on it, but you say, what about the Old, New Testament, is that just Old Testament, listen, the blood of Jesus shed covers all sin, but, it, uh, but the blood of Jesus, just because it covers all sin, it does not necessarily, uh, it's not necessarily efficacious, unless the blood is applied, listen, when the angel of death went through Egypt, you had to have taken that hyssop and applied that blood. Even if you were an Israelite, that, your family, they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testament. They take the hyssop of their confession and they apply it to the doorposts of their nation's blood. Jesus died for everyone, but not everyone applies that blood to their own lives and gets saved. So when they say in the New Testament, Jesus took care of it all, yes, he did, but it's got to be applied. And so Jesus, if you, if you could turn, uh, um, would you turn with me? I'm bringing it to an end here, and then... If you could stick around, I think we need to rumble tonight. I think the old gray hairs need to rise up. Those who have held righteousness for all these years and a generation of millennials need to understand they have wisdom. To I'm talking to my kids and they say, I don't know if I can vote for President Trump. It's difficult for all of us, but I didn't vote for a man. I voted for a platform. No, this is so controversial, and you'll hate me. Maybe many of you hate me for it, but I'm telling you what. I'm fighting for my grandchildren, for right now, the very people that you voted for, for the sake of the poor and the sake of immigration, are the people in Colorado who are making a bill this very moment that demands your kindergartners are taught sex education, of homosexuality, and transgenderism and charter schools, and public schools, and there is no opt-out for parents. What's next? They'll take your homeschool away while you're dabbling in lower issues. Blood cries out from the ground. People say, well, there are other issues going on. During the Civil War, I'll tell you, the Lord was bringing a decision to this nation. He will push us to a decision. 
This bloodshed will not carry on just like slavery. Couldn't I? God will push it to a decision. And when I see New York and I see Rhode Island and I see Colorado, I can see the decision is being pushed. How long will you hold between two opinions? Turn with me if you would. I'm gonna, I think I'm, I'm going to end it here to Luke 11. Turn with your Bibles, please. Oh, oh you got to hear this. Verse 47. You got it. Yes. Woe to you, for you build the tombs of the prophets whom your fathers killed. So you are witnesses, and you consent to the deeds of your fathers, for they killed them, and you build their tombs. Therefore, I will send prophets and apostles, some of whom they will kill and persecute, so that the blood of the prophets shed from the foundation of the world may be charged or required of this generation. From the blood of Abel to the blood of Zechariah, who perished between the altars. Yes, I tell you, it will be required of this generation. He says this, listen to me. You build Lincoln's memorial. You build their tombs. And you say, if we would have lived in the days of slavery, we wouldn't have done what our fathers did. And Jesus says, because you are killing prophets and killing me right now, you are actually bringing double condemnation. The very people that are honoring that Lincoln Memorial are, are, are aborting their children. And because of it, it will be required of one generation. That's what he says. He said, of this generation, it will be required. In other words, God's mercy runs long through history. But there comes a day when one generation is required their blood. Because by blood, if you shed man's blood, by blood, man, it should be. What does this mean to our generation? Bob Jones once gave us a prophetic word. He says, if you don't deal with this issue, get a pro-life president. If you don't deal with the issue of abortion, he said, Muslims will come to your nation and carry your children away as sex slaves to the Middle East. We need to get out of this comfort zone and begin to roar through Florida. We should be preaching standing in front. Just yesterday, I decided it's time to go back, put tape on the wall, and stand in front of my abortion clinic. We went there. With these other guys that had their signs, a car drives out of the abortion clinic area, said, when we saw you guys, we were going in there to have an abortion, but we saw you, we knew it was a sign to keep our baby. And I felt like the Lord said, the first day you take your stand, I will start to move. Years ago, a young gal in Mankato, Minnesota, loved her band, prayed her band. She lost it in the parking lot of Walmart. A year later, she is a, a, a waitress at the Olive Garden restaurant, and she's waiting on a young lady who has a light band on and her infant daughter. She says to the young lady, cool, you got one of those light bands. Where'd you get it? She said, I found it in the parking lot of Walmart. You see, the next day, I was scheduled to have an abortion, and when I saw the word life, I knew it as a sign to keep my baby. And here she is. 
God is roaring. What manner of child shall this be? What manner of generation will this be where the Herods of this earth are trying to kill this seed? Folks, it's time for America to arise. This is why we're pleading the blood of Jesus because if it's required of this generation, my boys will be fighting in the next few years. I got five boys. They'll be summoned to the wars and I don't want that to happen. Stand with me. Jeremiah, could you come and help me? Here we have the worship team. You can no longer stand on the fence in this. You've just heard the word of the Lord. It's the Bible. It's not Lou Engle. Usually Lou's talking about dreams. Today I'm talking the word of God. You dare not shed innocent blood. And if you're a man that actually encouraged abortion, you're just as guilty as the woman. And you need to repent and begin to ask forgiveness for your collaboration. But I tell you, there's joy unspeakable. How happy is the man whose sins are forgiven? How happy is the woman whose sins are forgiven tonight? You can come out of this place completely clean, filled with joy, and turn your greatest pain into your greatest prophecy. Loose your sound in the earth. Right now, people are going to we the people, the petition. Thousands are signing it, going to the president. Don't you think the Supreme Court is hearing this right now? Oh, you bet they're hearing it. Don't think that that court is not influenced by human, by the voice of the people. Oh, they are. Come on, tonight we're going to believe that God haunts judges. Literally, the Louisiana case has come to Justice Alito. Justice Alito has delayed the court for the next seven days or so because I think he's bringing it to the whole court. In the next few days, we will find out if we have a pro-life court. And if we don't, then we got to get Amy Coney Barrett or a righteous one in there. Because God, listen, it's one thing to say thou shalt not kill. It's another thing for a, go a government to have decrees that legalize killing. It says in, the, in Psalm 94, shall a throne of iniquity that legalizes evil have fellowship with you? They shed innocent blood and they rise up against the righteous. You cannot have fellowship with a government that legalizes the shedding of innocent blood and persecution against the righteous. And by voting, you have fellowship with that government. Folks, you've got to understand, this is the government of we the people by the people. You have to put yourself into Psalms 2, where it says the kings of the earth take their stand against the Lord and against his anointing. He said, let's get rid of his laws. Folks, when you are the government of America, and if you don't vote, you're not fulfilling the divine duty of God over this nation. It's time. Folks, we need to preach this to a millennial generation. They don't know the right hand from the left. We need to give them a worldview that comes from the Bible. We have to preach it, teach it. Let it start in this school right here. Something happened to me with, with this dream today with Jeremiah. Something happened to me in the last few days. I've got to be for life. I'm pondering, shall we go back to stadiums and just... Unite thousands to play Jesus. I plead your blood 
over my sins. The sins of God, don't send us to the civil war. Matt Lockett, the guy that leads Bound for Life, found out. His name is Lockett. Found out that his family's house, his answer, is where the last shots were fired in the Civil War. It was before Appomattox. I think God is saying, you can end the judgment. You don't have to go to Appomattox. Bound for life. Literally, his house is where the last shots were fired. It's the most outrageous story. Folks, this is prophecy. I don't know how to do this right now. I just want to pray. Just lift your voices. Just say, God, save America. Stir the church right now nationwide. We declare the best thing that happened to America was New York City. He makes the wrath of man to praise him. He opens the eyes of the church and they begin to roar. Stir the pulpits. Come on, pray with me. Stir the pulpits all across this land. Do not be silent. Come on, let's begin to lift up our voices. Come on, we're lifting up our voices. For a generation who has never given a voice. I want to call forth the white hairs. I want to call forth the gray hairs. If you're a grandparent in this room, I need you down in the altar. If you're a grandparent in this room, I'm telling you there's an anointing and there's an authority that you carry. If you're a grandparent, I want to get you down here. Come on, I'm telling you, I believe millions of grandparents in America are going to begin to gather and begin to cry out for their children and their grandchildren. Come on, let's begin to cry out. Let's begin to lift up our voices. Jesus, I plead your blood over my sins and the sins of this nation. God, send revival. End abortion. Jesus, I plead your blood over my sins and the sins of this nation. God, end abortion and send revival. Come on, don't look at me. I want you to look at the face of God tonight. Come on, let's lift up our voices. Jesus! Jesus! 
Come on, begin to call upon the name of the Lord. There's only one hope for this nation. His name is Jesus. Come on, if you're not a grandparent, I want you to come down here. I want to lay hands on these grandparents here tonight. Come on. If you're a young person and you're not a grandparent, come on. I want this whole altar filled. Come on, it's a Friday night. There's nothing else to do but get together and come into agreement and say, Lord, here I am. Send me. Come on, find somebody and lock arms with them. Come on, make some room down here. Grab somebody's hand. Grab somebody's arm. Jesus! I plead your blood over my sins and the sins of this nation. God, end abortion and send revival, God. Come on, fill up those bowls.
Come on, something shifting. Just another two minutes. I believe that we're shifting things in the spirit realm. We're pushing back the darkness in this nation. We're finding our voice. We're choosing to take a stand. Come on, just two minutes. Press in. Come on, grab somebody around you and say, we're going in. Come on, it's an easy prayer. Jesus, I plead your blood over my sins and the sins of this nation. God, end abortion and send revival, God. Come on, begin to pray that right now.
Lou, I want to invite you back. Saints, I believe that the Lord has sent Lou here to recommission him. That this is a a divine moment in history. That you and I get to be present when the Lord is about to ignite the fire to end abortion again in this nation. Come on, I want you to stretch out your hands toward Lou. Come on, let's pray the fire of God upon Lou. Come on, I want you to stretch out your hands. God, we say fire! Come on, I want you to grab the hand of the person next to you.
Rabate Arabashoko Rabasiki Arababa Kio Roboshoko Rabasaka Rabashaka Rabasio. I will release the spirit and power of Elijah in this nation. And it will come forth on this issue of abortion. See, even I will unite the fathers and sons, the mothers and daughters on this issue of abortion. The spirit and power of Elijah will fall as this nation begins to fight for life. God, we're asking, release the spirit and power of Elijah concerning this issue of abortion. God, would you turn hearts back? God, I want to ask that you would break the spirit of condemnation off the back of your church. I feel like God is saying that even some have participated in this wickedness, but God would say, I desire mercy. Lord, we break the spirit of condemnation off the church. We say that they will be silent no longer. We say that what we put into the light will be free from. So God, we declare this is an hour to come clean. The Lord says it's time to come clean and let me cleanse you. God, for every man in this room that paid for an abortion, we say, Jesus, we plead your blood over our sins and the sins of this nation. God, end abortion and send revival. God, for every woman in this room that had an abortion, Jesus, we plead your blood over our sins and the sins of this nation. God, end abortion and send revival. I just see supernatural funds coming, Lou. The Lord says that this will not be a mandate that will come with hard labor, but this will be a mandate that will come with ease. For the Lord says, even now my anointing will fall upon the grandparents in this generation. And though they have much money in their accounts, The Lord says this issue will turn even the hardest of hearts. I don't know what this means, but I just keep getting this picture of George Soros. And I believe the Lord is saying to ask him to strike his heart. God, we're asking in the name of Jesus that you would strike the heart of George Soros. Tonight, God, deliver, deliver, 
Come on, I, I got faith that the Lord is saying, will I not even turn the most wicked hearts? I'm not prophesying his salvation. I'm saying the Lord is inviting us tonight to begin to say, Father, release the funds. Call this nation once again to stand for life. God, would you fund adoptions? Would you bring increase even now? Just uh, two days ago, a young lady had a dream, and in the dream she was pregnant, and she was groaning, and all these intercessors were groaning to bring forth this baby. She said, in the dream, I laid my hand on her belly, and I said to her in the dream, you will name her Yamar La Vida, which means call her life. And in the dream, I said to her, carry her well. I feel like Hispanics are going to rise. God, we pray. One of the great leaders in America, he said this, John Piper. He said the first wave against abortion, the Catholics rose up. Second, the evangelicals multiplied crisis pregnancy centers. And then he says, but the African-Americans and Hispanics will tear it down. Come on, pray that God will release a roar through the Hispanics. You will call her vida, llamar la vida. Carry her well. Let the Hispanics rise up and carry this baby. Carry life. One little word shall fail him. In Jesus' name, let an African-American roar. In the name of Jesus, break Planned Parenthood. Shatter it. Raise up adoption. Raise up adoption movements in the Hispanic and African-American church. In the name of Jesus, we ask, and we believe, we know it's your will. Therefore, we have it. Raise up voices in Jesus' name. And now I want us to go. I want to go in a corporate rumble. I want to pray. All of us together, Rory, John Roberts, Justice Kavanaugh. In the next four days, they may make the decision that shifts everything. Literally, it could shift everything. Kavanaugh, Roberts, would you lift your voices and begin to pray? Because God can come to them. I don't understand it, but that's the way our government is. These guys right now, let them fear the Lord. Psalms 2, kiss the sun. Be warned, you kings. Tremble, you judges of the earth. Come on, lift your voices. Prophesy. Tremble, you judges of the earth. We lose sleepless nights. We lose their grandchildren to have dreams to warn them like Pilate's wife. Lose sleepless nights. Put an unrest over them. Give them a sense of divine calling. 
that they could be on the right side of history. That they will names will be blazoned in the pages of history as those who shook the great genocide. Come, Lord. Begin to pray in tongues over him. Kavanaugh, John Roberts, Gorsuch, Alito. Briar. In the name of Jesus. The two women on the the three women on the court. Even Ruth Bader Ginsburg break into their world tonight. From, from this ecclesia, we stretch out your rod. Loose your love. Loose your rod over them. In Jesus' name, God, tonight, give them dreams. Would you just lift your hands and begin to worship the God who's the judge of judges. Psalms 82. The Lord presides over his great courtroom. He judges the judges. How long will you judge with unfairness? I called you gods, but you will die like mere men. God, you're the one. Rise up, O judge of the earth. Possess the nations. You cannot possess the nations, according to Psalm 82, unless he deals with the judges. That's what he says. He judges the judges. He says, rise, O God. Judge the earth that the nations will be in your inheritance. Father, tonight, all across America, we pray for President Trump. We want to thank you that he's all across the nation. He's filling Courts with pro-life judges. Let these petitions come to him. The thousands come to him. Overwhelm the White House. Overwhelm the Senate. Overwhelm. Come like a great river and sweep away this covenant with death. Praise you, God. We, let, we just worship you tonight, Lord. We, that your judgments are righteous and true altogether. We thank you that mercy triumphs over judgment. We love you, your long-standing mercy. Who is like unto you, O Lord, among the gods, glorious in holiness, awesome in praises. Who shall not fear and glorify your name, O Lord? Be glorified in America. Be feared in the Senate. Be feared in the house, God. worship you tonight. I feel something's broken tonight. I had no idea. Three days ago, the Lord awakened me again to roar on this issue. Not knowing that I would be in a car driving from Tampa to Lakeland and that he'd have this very word. 
and that willing to Haviland Ford, we believe will fill stadiums with the African-American voice. We believe it.